Hey, this is Andy Jenkins back on the podcast. This is really, this is kind of the coaches series where a couple months ago, my wife Beth, she said, hey, I got this idea. Why don't you host some people to talk on, on your podcast that have expertise in areas that you don't? Because the reality is, I, I believe that one of the greatest gifts that we have are the people that are right around us. I really believe that everybody has some unique calling, some specific purpose, why they're here. And it's a lot of times a gift of who they are, that's for sure, but also this incredible asset of what they can do, the unique skill set that God has given them. And so on this podcast, two of the things that I talk about a lot are uh, spiritual health, that is awakening to grace. And then a second of the four topics that we hit is really this idea of soul wholeness, of soul health. In fact, there's a book, I'll put a link in the show notes to soul wholeness, the book, the audio book, all of that is coming out on the new app that's about to release. There's a video course. You can even get into a five week intensive about that. But that soul emotional mindset health is so important because a lot of times I even say it like this, that when you become a Christian, so those of you who are people of faith that listen, when you connect, the Holy Spirit moves into your life and your spirit is one with God. There's no separation between your spirit and his spirit. That's what 1 Corinthians 6 teaches us, as well as other places in the scripture. However, that said, your emotions, your mind is still up for grabs. It's still this part of you that is in process. This is why I think Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in you. You're still working out something. This is why in other passages in scripture, like Romans 12, we hear, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, there's a lot of junk in the trunk. You get to be in your 40s, 50s. Shoot, you make it to your 20s, you're gonna have some baggage. And so we just need to deal with it. And, and I, I brought on, uh, a gal actually went to the same high school with me. Her name is, this is the best name of anybody I think that's been on so far. Fancy. Fancy Hunter is, uh, this is her wheelhouse, is emotional health. So Fancy, let everybody hear your voice. She's got a really soft, great voice, great name, incredible voice. Hello, hey everyone. Okay, so tell us where you work. I work at Emotion Therapy, LLC. We are a trauma-focused um, counseling agency that works with individuals, children, families. I'm just trying to help them kind of work through um, how to better manage different stressors yeah. that they experience, or what we call toxic stress. Yep. Um, and um, so that they can live healthier and happier lives. Okay, so one of the coolest things that you do, and I, I want to hear more of your story, is I've seen pictures of you posting on online you're, you're at East Lake Park here in Birmingham really close to downtown doing yoga therapy yes okay so why would you guys because that's a connection of the body and the soul it is so tell me about yoga therapy um well just in general um kind of how I got into it is dealing with trauma yeah so um just to give you a little backstory because I think if I give you a little backstory it'll make a little more sense yeah, take it where you want to go. Because, like I tell people a lot of times, when, when Fancy walked into my house, I told her, like, okay, I don't want to ask you any questions yet because it's really, if people are listening, there, it's just kind of like they're overhearing a coffee shop conversation. So, which would be 
just the normal way things would flow. I ask you a question like that, and you're like, well, I got to tell you this to get to that. So okay. give me the backstory. Okay, so backstory. Um, so I always wanted to either A, be a child psychiatrist. Since I was nine, I knew. Since you're nine. Since I was nine, I either wanted to be, but you got to hear the like the opposite end of it though. I either wanted to be a child psychiatrist or a dance choreographer. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> it's gonna come together full circle. One yeah, I mean, I already kind of see it coming, but you see it coming. Okay, so um, eventually, you know, go through life and all that kind of good stuff. Um, ended up going to grad school at the University of Montevallo. Um, and um, I concentrated in marriage and family therapy because I wanted to do play therapy. Okay. Good. That's back to the kid thing. Just going back to the okay. kids. Um, loved it, and that goes back to my my faith. Okay. So I've been to play therapy before with one of the kids. In fact, I posted a video not too yes. long ago about something a child psychologist shared with me. Mm -hmm. If people are listening in right now. It was that video about the balloons and about different ways people deal with stress. That was from a play mm -hmm. therapist, just so people know. So when people hear play therapy, a lot of times they go, what? what is play you know, or they might be like, oh, okay, that's strange. But it, it's a legit thing. It's legit. Okay. And it's because that's how, number one, that's how young people communicate. Right. Period. You know, that's really how they communicate and that's how they work through conflict. And we don't really realize that, you know, when they are playing and they're navigating and they're, you know, using either their, you know, their, you know, motor skills or whatever that they're doing, that it's a way to kind of help them to resolve any kind they're of They're just issues. expressing. They're expressing themselves and they're communicating. So you thought you were going to do that? Yes. And, okay. I, and I do do that. But it's a, it definitely is a transition and it's a growth thing. So, um... Went into marriage and family therapy um, with the intention to do, to be a play therapist, okay? Um, when I graduated, I actually, my first actual job as a therapist was with an organization called Youth Villages. Youth Villages is based out of um, Memphis, Tennessee, but they're all over the country. Um, it's an amazing organization that helps um, all kinds of young people and their families. Um, who have really extreme behaviors. So they're typically, most of the kids, not all, but most of the kids have been separated from their families at some point in time. Mm -hmm. um, and so their goal is ultimately, if it's possible, for reunification. But you have to kind of go in and you have to work with that whole family system in order to, um, you know, help them heal, you know, get some protective factors, you know, and be able to kind of, you know, break down some of the barriers that right. they have. So I started there, um, but while I was there, what I really started to understand was that, yeah, we're having all these mental health issues that we're experiencing. So, you know, maybe it's depression, maybe it's anxiety, um, maybe there's some kind of mood dysregulation that people are experiencing, but it's all rooted in some form of trauma. Something has happened at some point in time in somebody's life and now it's manifesting itself in this way. Yeah, people don't just act out for no reason. For right? no there's, reason. There's some kind of... There's an event, there's something. Uh, and it may have been one time or it may be something that's chronic that has happened over years. You know, and so the, the more trauma that people experience, the more complexity is, you know, that's, you know, it's harder to unpack and unravel. Okay? So, got into... Um, the trauma area and really kind of wanted to understand, 
you know, how is this affecting people? Um, and how can you really help them in the base, in their core? You know, because otherwise, we're really just kind of putting a Band-Aid on it. And so that was just where my heart was. I really wanted to be able to say, okay, how can we really help people heal and not just put a Band-Aid on it? So started kind of doing more, you know, kind of training, education, learning in that area. And I read a book that really just sparked everything and took me in different places called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Great book. The Body Keeps the Score. I'll put it in the show notes below. People can look it up. Wonderful book. And there's so many other books um, on trauma that have helped me to, you know, kind of grow in this path. But that was the first one that I read. And it gave me just a whole holistic understanding of how trauma affects us, not only emotionally, but how it affects us physically. And so, really, if we want to be able to heal emotionally, we have to be able to work that trauma through our bodies, i.e., bringing me back to yoga. Which so. is kind of like dance, <laughs> but slowed down. And less well, yeah. when I was, I was writing a book a couple years ago on healing. Yes. Because one of the workshops that I have talks about how supernatural healing that I believe in mm-hmm. is not at odds with natural health. Okay, exercise, nutrition, all of that. And there's a whole argument that you see both of those in Scripture. You see miracles happen. You also see people taking care of themselves and walking it out over time. In studying that, one of the things that I learned, I didn't discover it, I kind of stumbled on it in the footnotes of a book somewhere, is that when a lot of times people have a physical issue, it could actually be an emotional Mm -hmm. thing because... Mm -hmm you always remember stuff Mm -hmm. even if your brain tends to forget Mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily store the memory in your brain you store it somewhere in your body and so a lot of times people have a knee ache or a back ache or whatever i mean it was the most bizarre thing and i could not figure this out when people would walk the aisle in a church at the end hey i want prayer for and they would have a physical issue i finally figured out hey, let's just ask them if there's some past event that they need to forgive somebody for first. And it wasn't that God was punishing them because they had un, you know, forgiven stuff. It was more about when they could finally let go of it. And, you know, I had to coach them many times and say, hey, this doesn't mean it was right. It doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean, like, you know, all this stuff. It just means, hey, I'm letting go of this. And when they were able to release it, a lot of times just automatically healing would come because, again, their body had stored something that they... It was almost like the body was giving them a symptom that you have unfinished, undealt with business yes. that you got to take care of. Yes. Does that? Yes. Because you're coming at it from a, that's a perfect you know, way to explain psychological mm-hmm. side. I'm coming at it from a spiritual side, and it's like it shows that like it's true. Like it just you it's hit there. it. It's like that's the okay. Go on. So you, you're combining the emotional. Uh, the psychological side mm-hmm. that we got your dance piece mm-hmm. so now yoga yoga is a perfect fit for me at 44 <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll go dance <laughs> Yo, yoga is a perfect fit but no seriously um there's so many things um in what we do so i'm i you know eventually went on and i got certified in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy and so it's all in the same you know it, it everything you know it's like you take these different steps 
that all lead to the same place. And you don't know. You, you, you know you're being called in a certain place. You know certain things interest you. And, and then you get there and you're like, oh, this it all makes sense now. That type of Yeah, you had all these interests that are kind of pulling together yeah. to how you're wired and created. Completely pulling together. And so, um, so the purpose of trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, I guess to talk about the base of CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, um, is to help people to understand how their thoughts and feelings affect their behaviors, okay? So it's very practical. It's a problem-solving therapeutic technique, okay? Um, you may talk about some things in the past, but it's about really kind of help people understanding, you know, their their drivers, like what's driving me to do these different things. Because you want, you want them to be, you can't change the past, but you want them to be able to inventory some of that so they can be healthy in the present. Yes. And be able to function and be able to be, um, you know, um, learn how to resolve conflicts, um, learn how to regulate their emotions. And so that's really what that's about. And so being trauma-focused, it takes cognitive behavioral therapy, but it just takes just another step further where we try to help people understand what their triggers are. We First and foremost, we teach them about what trauma is and what it isn't you know, how it can possibly manifest in your life today. Um, and then we try to help them to understand what their triggers are because everybody has different triggers. Um, and so once you can understand what your triggers are and understand how it affects you physically, then at that point, we want to try to help people. We want to teach them the skills to be able to regulate, to self-regulate. Because once we're triggered, going back to the science of it, um, what happens is, you know, um, if something happens and we're triggered by something, there's this nerve called the vagus nerve that's right in between, right here. Kind of at the like back of your skull, neck, so she's pointing like, yeah, yeah, back there in the top of the spine. Top of the spine. Um, that nerve is a major nerve. And so when it gets triggered, when it gets pushed, when something happens, then different chemicals get released in our body, in our brain. And it tells us, okay, are we safe or are we unsafe? Um, and then we go into fight, flight, or freeze. Okay. So you feel this first. You feel before it. you logically respond. Yeah. So yeah. I was teaching a group of veterans um, one night, and somebody brought up the word "triggered," and it, it was kind of one of those words that everybody's kind of tossing around. Oh, that triggered me. This triggered me. Whatever. And finally, somebody's like, "Okay, hold." On. I'm glad somebody finally confessed it. They're like, "Okay, wait. I, I that's not a word that I'm commonly using. Mm -hmm. So let's define it." And so the group just kind of had this group think there where somebody adds a layer and somebody else adds a word, yeah. you know, somebody else adds a sentence. And we just kind of, you know, informally, here's what we came up with. It is when something occurs and your emotional center reacts to it and fires off your emotions without your control, just like a gun's being fired in a specific direction. That's what it is to be triggered. And you might respond in the present and fire off at something in the present that really has more to do with the past. And so the regulation is realizing when that trigger gets pulled, mm -hmm. and instead of that emotional bullet going off in an unhealthy way, you're able to regulate or yank that bullet back in the gun mm -hmm. and then push it out in a responsible, healthy way. Mm -hmm. So the emotion is not wrong. Mm -hmm. It might just be an unhealthy reaction in the present because of something unhealthy that happened in the past. 
and you feel that before you logically think through it, which has become, that's where it gets tricky. It does. Okay, so you're talking about, sorry, I just kind of hijacked. No, that was perfect because that's really what happens. You know, we, we just, we immediately react. So we don't even have an opportunity to actually step back and think about how we want or how we need to respond in that moment because it's 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 a jerk impulse and it's because we don't you know again we've been triggered and we feel unsafe for some reason okay and so it's about helping people to be able to identify okay number one um am i really unsafe right okay if i'm unsafe then i do need to do whatever i need to do to to make sure that I'm safe and, you know, securing my safety and whatever, and whoever else safety that's around me. But if I'm not, if I am safe, then I want to, I don't want to react in that same way. And so that's how you talked about maybe with the veterans, you know, if I've ever been in a situation where I felt unsafe, you know, and say if something does, I hear a loud noise or I see a certain color, or I hear a certain song, or I hear a certain sound. Smells. A smell. It could be anything. It can, the five senses. We we are triggered through our five senses. It can be anything that comes through our five senses. Um, something that we touch. Um, so whatever that is, um, it's about helping us to be able to take a moment to pause so that we can identify, okay, am I safe or am I unsafe? And if I'm, if I'm unsafe, okay, what do I need to do um, how can I think through this so that I can react and respond in the best way to secure our safety? Right. Um, so that I'm not just kind of just in chaos, in crisis. But if I am safe, how do I, like you said, regulate my emotions so that I can come back to the space and, um, um, and be clear again? Right. And so that's where um, YOLA comes into place because with trauma-focused CBT, you know, that's a part of it. Once we talk about the drivers and the triggers, we want to be able to teach them how to regulate. And so we use a lot of breath work and mindfulness to do that. So everybody's not open to breath work and mindfulness, but it works. Like it's science to it. Um, like people say, take a couple deep breaths. But when you sit down and you really are intentional and you learn the skill of breath work, and you know how to do a breathing exercise, it really can help you to be able to regulate. In well, that if you moment. can do it while you're doing yoga, then you can do it while you're not doing yoga. When you're at the office and you get a bad phone call, or when you're get cut off in traffic and almost have an accident, or when somebody, yes. you know, fires off a nasty email at you and you got, or somebody yells at yes. you, or when you're in the middle of conflict, like if you can do it then, then you can do it anytime. And you're getting healthy, at the same, you know, physically as well as emotionally. So that's how you got into the yoga. So t- tell me, like, what happens when you guys go to the yoga thing? Like, uh, talk me through, because uh, you guys do this in East LA a couple days a week. Yes, we do. We do it on Wednesday. Well, it was a summer series. So um, my practice, um, we wanted to offer something to the community um, to help people as they were adjusting and transitioning to being back um, in person um with COVID-19 yeah everybody getting back live yeah and it was really stressful and that was just one of the things that I saw a lot of anxiety just in general there's been a lot of depression a lot of anxiety that people have experienced over the past couple years um dealing with COVID-19 
um, on top of the regular stuff that they deal with every day. Yeah, you and yeah. That they're dealing I mean, with life before. is already tough, and then <laughs> yeah. you add all that. You, I mean, you add, you know, a, a, a controversial election. Yes. Now, I mean, no matter what side you were on, yeah. like it was junk either way. You yeah. add COVID, you add... Are we getting back out? Are we getting back in? Yes. No, regardless of what you think about COVID. I mean, mm-hmm. there was still, like, both sides of any argument weren't happy with what was going on. And then you add the loneliness factor. Everybody yes. agrees with that. Yes. I mean, it's just a lot of clutter on top of, I mean, life's, of life's hard without yeah. all of that. Yeah, all of the adjustment as far as if your children were in school and then now they're at home and you're having to work a full-time job and then also teach them homeschool right. <laughs> and, and you're thrown into and they're this. there all the time and they're there all the time and you're thrown into this and so that's one of the things that i've seen the most you know uh, my experience was a little different I, I do have two daughters but they're older um and so my oldest is now uh at uab and my youngest is a sophomore in high school so my experience was a little different versus my friends most of my friends all have like young children first graders yeah yeah and so that was just it really was it was very very stressful because you know you don't realize how much just your child being able to go to school and being in a safe environment and you not having to worry about that you know helped you to be able to focus on what you do every day right you know and so so here we are. So I'm um, coming back in person, and, and I just wanted to offer something to the community to um, kind of help them learn some skills and be able to relax at the end of the day. And so we were very intentional about doing it in the evening time, you know, after people had, had an opportunity to go to school, well, you know, whatever they were doing, school, work, um, so that they can come in, um, be introduced to something different, especially in the East Birmingham community. You know, that's not, the, you don't see a lot of yoga. Right. over in East Birmingham. And so it was an opportunity to offer something to our community to help people to learn a new skill, practice a new skill, and be able to relax and unwind before they went home. And hopefully, <laughs> since it was a Wednesday, hopefully that was would give them an opportunity to um, be able to um, navigate the rest of their week in a healthier way. You know, that was a healthy outlet for them and for their families. Well, middle of the week so. kind of lead up to it. It's probably a little bit healthier than like Windale Wednesday or whatever else people do. That's a good alternative yeah. to actually do something physically. Um, yeah. So tell tell me, you've talked about the yoga. Tell me kind of why did you decide to get all get get into all of this? Like what's the, what, what leads you to go, hey, I'm going to be a... A therapist like what's the story the story um, or is there one there there might not be um well I mean life is life but like I said you know I always knew I wanted to help people you know um, but my family was really big in church so I grew up Catholic and um, we went to church in Woodlawn um, St. John Bosco um, and we did a lot of youth I mean it was just real youth friendly and I loved it I just had a ball um, I also really um, love my community. I love my school. You know, we had, you know, I, it was just a lot of fun. Personally, I thought so. Um, and so that was just something that I just really enjoyed doing. You graduated I, from Irwin, right? I did. Where did you guys live? We lived in Bridalwood. Cause so not far from. I used to run through there when I would go. I, I lived really close to okay. high school, so I had this huge loop I'd go run on. Um, I went right through there. I mean, we we did. We were there a couple years apart, but 
I mean, it was actually incredible. Yeah, yeah, we had a great time. Incredible city. It was a great school. The teachers were mm-hmm. phenomenal. Really, there were never even really any fights at that school. Everybody got along for the most part. The most I mean, part. there were normal like high school mm-hmm. nonsensical stuff, but I mean, it was it was actually a pretty great place to it really was to launch. It really um, was when you look back, you know. But anyway, so you're you loved the whole experience and whole experience and so that was just what I saw um, because our sister church with St. John Bosco was Holy Rosary and Holy Rosary was right across the street from Gate City um, and High Chaparral um, projects and so we would go and do a lot of community service and so even though our family our family you know we were just a, a really average family very very average family with our struggles like you know most people but i saw that um there were people who even in what i thought was a complaint that my complaints were blessings to other people you know and that was something that just just for some reason just really resonated with me and so that's really kind of how i ended up going into counseling um and wanting to go in there and helping families and young people um, so really that's kind of mainly the backstory. Yeah. Um, you know, but life is life, you know, I've definitely experienced my fair share of, you know, challenges, um, and issues. Um, you know, my, my mom passed away in 2013. Um, and so we did a lot of caregiving for her. I was a help to caregive for her for 13 years. She had cancer. Um, and so watching that transition, my mom was really, really active in our family and in the community. And so watching someone so active and so lively go to a place where now they're bedridden, like that's a, you know, that's, yeah, that's a, a big huge, change. Yeah, that's a huge change. And so. Especially like when she's been. Yeah. You know, a rock. Yeah. And so young. And so she uh-huh. was, she really was young. And so, um, I don't know. It's just one of those things that, um, it was an experience that I had. Definitely it was a situation because I was at the University of Alabama when she was diagnosed with cancer. So it was definitely a situation where I experienced a lot of things that my friends, my social group, mm-hmm. you know, they couldn't relate to because they weren't experiencing those things at the time. Right. And so it's, it's, it's like you go through things for different reasons, but here I am now on the other end of those things um, and going through understanding the counseling process and the healing process. And now that group of social circle they're experiencing those things I experienced then. So I'm able to um, be a different kind of support for them, you know, while they're experiencing different things. Yeah, you're a couple steps ahead of the... Yeah. I mean, the consistent thing is life does bring its share of, you know, highs and lows. And thankfully, sometimes when, you know, we're... Thankfully, when we're at a low, there's people who are at a high moment that can pull us up. Yeah. And when they're at a low moment, we're at a high moment, and yeah, we think we can exchange experiences, yeah, reach sure. back and pull each other forward. Yes. Tell me, you know, about your job like day to day. Like, what's a normal okay. day like? Because, like, I mean, right now we're we're recording this at one thirty, mm-hmm. but like, what's the normal average day? It's chaos. No. <laughs> Is, no, some days it really is um, because I work with different groups of people. Yeah. Um, so I have my well group, 
which is um, my individuals who are kind of being more preventative. So they're coming to counseling and they understand that, you know, okay, let me go ahead and, you know, go to counseling, see my therapist, because I want to be prepared when something happens and I don't have to kind of be more reactive. So I'm glad you said that because a lot of times people think you only go to counseling if something's wrong. But it's, I mean, you think about it in terms of the gym and physical health. You go to the gym when you got 50 pounds to to shed, but you also go to the gym and you'll see people there who are completely, they look completely in shape. They're just maintaining because they love it. And I think emotional Mm -hmm. soul health would be the same. You go when you got... 50 pounds of Stop. emotional baggage to dump, <laughs> yeah. but also you, you go to, to when you want to maintain. Yeah, so so you got the well group. I have my well group. Um, and then I have, uh, I, I work with um, uh, family court as well. And so I work with a particular docket that deals with sex trafficking. So I have a group that I work with in that area. Um, and then I also work with a group of individuals. I do a lot of trauma and PTSD work. Yeah. Um, and so I have, so in that area, it's a lot of crisis driven. Um, and then I have my families and my kiddos. So they're all different. So you got like three different circles yeah. there. Yeah. So it's all different pockets. Um, definitely my crisis driven groups take up a little more time because it's they're in crisis yeah you know and it is what it is and it's a different kind of energy that you got to expend yeah dealing with that yeah physical emotional spiritual psychological all of it you know um and so being trauma-informed trauma-informed really um encourages people that not only is it that we're helping other people to understand what trauma is and to be able to regulate but being able to really take care of ourselves as well and so um, yoga is also a practice that I do, not just to teach people, but it's something I do for myself. It's one of those things that I had to learn as well through my process of how do you take care of yourself when you're helping other people. And I've always helped people. You know, I've always been some sort of caregiver in some kind of way. And so when I was younger, I didn't really understand the balance of really, really, you know, taking the time to make self-care a priority right and so when you don't do that it affects you everywhere and like you said you can have things going on in your body and you're like oh what is you know a lot of it is you know stress driven you know and so really understanding that if I want to take care of other people that I have to take care of myself first so whether it's the things that work for me what's in my cocktail so to speak so what helps me to be able to take care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally? So maybe that's yoga. Um, maybe I, And I go to my own therapist well, as well. So a lot of my friends, other professionals who are counselors, we really encourage each other to go to therapy as well because we have stuff that we have to deal with. And so it may even be that, okay, for example, if I'm working with my um, crisis-driven group, I'm really tender-hearted. And so some of the things that I see, it's a lot. And so I can't just tell everybody what's happening, but I can go to my therapist and I can say, hey, this was a lot for me. Yeah, you can't just air that one out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a professional line. That's a professional as line. As well. But that gives me an opportunity to have a, a safe space where I can go and say, hey, you know, this was a lot today. Um, you know, I, you know, maybe I talk about it. Maybe I just go in there and they do some breathing exercises with me because I pick 
someone who is a good fit for my personality as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I've even been there and I'm just like, you know what, I just need to shed a few tears a day, you know, <laughs> and and kind of let that out. Yeah, just cry. Yeah, I need to cry today because um because it takes a lot. But if this is what your calling is, if you're calling and I know without a shadow of a doubt is my calling to help other people. Um but you have to take the time to make sure you take care of yourself, especially if you're in a field where you're helping other people. I mean, that's a good word like to people who listen that are moms and mm-hmm. dads, too. It's yes. like even if you're not in the middle of crisis, I mean, raising kids is tough. a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes they're yeah. awesome, but sometimes they, they feel like little midget yeah. minions, you yeah. know, and you gotta, you're just like, golly, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of output, and so you got to take care of you. you really um, tell me, wh- what is, I have a couple more questions. What What is like your favorite part of, the job or of the role I mean because you got a lot of things going there like what's the favorite of anything that you get to do in any given week um, really the fact that um, I get to do what I love and I get to be able to be available for my family at the same time so because it is which I always I was like okay I really want to get to private practice and it took me a while to get to private practice but I wanted to be able to get to private practice so that I can practice you know the you know the way that I would like to practice and use the you know different modalities therapeutic yeah you know um, modalities that I want to use but also be able to be very present for my family and so that's what I love about yeah because like you said you're leaving here to go pick up pick up your daughter from school yeah 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 so and that's be, something a lot of people they're working not able yeah to not do. able to do yeah you know those little things you know I don't take for you know for granted right. at all because it's a gift. You know, um, and I do my best to help her know, but she's, you know, in the 10th grade, so she doesn't care. She's going to understand after she gets her first job, and then she's going to be like, oh, this is, I got it, yeah. I've got got kids starting to figure out, you know, the, you know, beauty of being able to work from home or create your schedule or, you know, any of that kind of stuff, because they're they're, they're clocking in, uh, you know, and that's, that's a different experience um okay other side of it what's the least favorite part or the most difficult part of what you do it's you know the fact that people need this kind of help you know there really are people who have been through some horrible things and there are people that are hurting um and i hate that you know i really hate that um and maybe i shouldn't say hate but um, What's well, so, I mean, it's okay. You yeah. like seeing this, like even in the Bible, you see there's certain yeah. things God hates, but and it's yeah. and it's because of what those things cause yeah. people. Yeah, you know. So yeah, so I really do. Um, but you know, but I'm thankful for, super thankful for people who have the um, patience, um, who have the um, the the desire. Um, to help people in these different ways in whatever capacity that they can, you know. Um, and I definitely try to work with different teams yeah. of people to make sure that, you know, the, the individuals that I'm serving and their families, you know, they have a holistic care. So, you know, what's going on with them, it, you know, sometimes we're not able to get to the social-emotional issues because of their basic needs. And so really connecting them to resources to make sure that their basic needs are taken care of and that they're safe in that area, 
you know, we have to do that sometimes first before we can even get to the other stuff. Right. You know, um, and so, um, yeah, so that's the part that I think, you know, I just, I, you know, I hate that, you know, that stuff is going on in the world and people experience horrible things, but I'm thankful that there's people who are there to help. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm, uh, let me give you the last question, and if you need a second to think about it, okay. I can tread water. So question would be, somebody walks in, you know, and they're just, you know, you're at the coffee shop or you're at, you know, the restaurant or you're at the Krispy Kreme donuts down the street from the yoga, which I don't guess it would make sense to go to <laughs> yoga and then go to Krispy Kreme, right? But if you did, somebody walks in and they just... And they do. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I do that. I'm like, oh, I, I ran... I ran 10 miles today. I can eat, you know, extra donut, whatever. Undo with the diet what you just did with the workout. Exactly. Um, you know, and they, they think they need help, you know, in this area. Like, just think about what are the one, two, or three things that you would say to them, like, to give them advice. And, and really, I'm thinking about somebody that might be listening right now that's, mm-hmm. you know, they're not at the extreme where they're suicidal. They're not at the extreme mm-hmm. where they're in danger. You know, there's not like this immediate imposing threat, mm-hmm. but they're like, golly, something's just off. You know, like, what do you say? Because that's the majority of people. Gotcha. You know, what, what what do you say to that person? Like, what do they do, like, right now? In that moment? Yeah. I think one of the first things I would probably say is, you know, self-compassion. You know, to really, um, I would really ask them to you know, be a little kinder to themselves um, because whatever they're experiencing, you know, um, a lot of times we compare what we're experiencing to other people. And if it seems like someone else is going through something worse, we'll minimize what we're experiencing or feel guilty or shame um, for feeling the way we feel. Um, And it's like, yeah, no, your experience is your experience. So please give yourself some some compassion and some kindness. Um, what's hard for you is hard for you. Um, there's no comparison, you know, and that would probably be the first thing. Um, secondly, you know, I would, you know, encourage them, hey, you know, have you thought about, you know, any any form of counseling of any kind? You know, have you thought about it? Um, it's great. It's no different from going to your primary care physician, your dentist, your eye doctor, you know, um, your barber, you know. Well, those are all normative. I mean, yeah. you know, if somebody says, hey, I'm going to the counselor, I, our immediate thing is like, what's wrong with you? But if they go, oh, I'm going to go to the eye doctor, the dentist, yeah. I'm going to the, oh, okay, cool. You're like. But I love for it to be more normal, you know, to make that normal. It really is. It really is normal. It's a great space um, because because of exactly what you're saying, we, we don't go. A, a lot of times we don't go. So what happens is the people around us are having to deal with our stuff. And so what I love to, how I love to explain it to people is if you love people, which you do, you know, if you love the people that you're around. You love your family. You love your family. Yeah. Yeah. Take care of yourself. You know, take care of yourself, not only for you, but do it for them. So that when you show up in that space, that you can be your healthiest version of yourself for them. Right. You know, um, and that's the best thing to do. Um, and, and make that normal, you know, make it a normal routine and a part of your, you know, your wellness, you know, you know, routine. Um, and, you know, and I would say those are probably the main two. Um, the third, 
you know, be you know, patient and give yourself some time. Honestly, give yourself some time. Um, you know, as they say, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, typically whatever someone is going through is not something that happened overnight. Um, it takes time. Yeah. You know, and, you know, yeah, we don't want to be a Band-Aid and say time heals all wounds. No, we're not saying that, but what we're saying well, is... Well, it doesn't. I mean, it, it does if you address the wound. Exactly. It takes time to address the wound, but the time by itself just... No. It just is... It's just time. It's just time. It's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but, but give yourself time to what to work the process. You know, give the process some time. Once you get into, if you do um, get into some form of, of counseling, um, you know, trust the process. Give it time. I honestly, you know, tell people that when it comes to counseling, give it at least a year. It doesn't mean that you're in counseling once a week for a year. You, maybe you go you know, once a week for 30 days and then you go, you know, bi-weekly for, you know, 60 days and then maybe you just do monthly check-ins, yeah. you know, but give yourself a year because you want to see in your healing process, you know, what does it look like in each season? Because each season brings something different. Right. That makes sense? Yeah. You know, um, and so you want to be able to see what each season looks like, how am I physically reacting to it how i'm emotionally reacting to it how am i psychologically and spiritually reacting to it and so that way now the next year i can try to plan and prepare a little bit better yeah you know what's coming you know you, you know coming. in winter you always feel this way or you know in yeah. fall you always feel rejuvenated or you yeah well in the seasons too you know i thought about this the other day um, i got this wall over there that's got all these pictures of our kids okay and it's it's awesome because it's got all these memories. But I walked by and I looked over and I noticed, you know, some of them when they were so little, and it, you know, it kind of made me sad, nostalgic that some of those seasons were gone and like permanently gone. Like there's there's not there's not a season now. I mean, I know it sounds bizarre to people who are chasing very small kids around right now going, golly, if we could get out of this season, you know, but there's a, an awesomeness as the kids get older and there's always this sadness that's like, Oh, oh yeah. Like yeah. that, that, that part's gone. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not coming back. And mm-hmm. the, you know, there are all these life transitions that are, you know, I, I've got some friends now that are like kind of there in that empty nest thing. I'm not going to, I don't know that I'll ever be there because we've got young kids that by the time they get old, the older ones will have grand, you know, we'll have grandkids got coming you. back. But, you know, that transition of like, okay, we're excited now, house is empty, but there's also a sadness. Like, so I imagine just all the life transitions just bring all of this. And, and, all kinds of emotions. Yeah. And, and I think some of it probably doesn't show maybe the emotional need uh or symptom doesn't highlight that something's wrong with you some of the, some of these mm-hmm. actually highlight they're normal they they like actually show about what's right with you that you feel like it would be yeah. it would be <laughs> abnormal to not feel something as you're going through some of these yeah. transitions and changes and so exactly. it makes sense just to kind of get it checked that's that's really good advice that you gave um anything else that you haven't said that you're like oh I hope he asked me this or I could say or, you know, like, there's this point that you want to make, even if it doesn't have anything to do with what we talked about, like just anything else. And if, if not, it's fine. But like, I want to give you the last you word if you what? got something. That, you know, today was awesome. So, um, 
again, you know, kindness is just a huge thing to me. And so I don't know if you know Blue's Clues. I do know Blue's Clues. Have you seen um, their 25th anniversary video that they just put out? No, this is funny, though. I give you the last word on the conversation. You're like, let me tell you about this cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, so I I don't ever really do this. I just thought of it, you know, that some people have this great quote or this, oh, let me tell you about this life lesson. You're like, Give it to the therapist to give you. Have I got a cartoon for you? No, I, no, it but blue, so. But it's perfect. I would recommend everybody watch it. So Steve, who was, um, who was our best friend with Blue's Clues, right. and I used to watch it with my oldest. Um, and so he left and went to college, and his brother was our new best friend. Yeah. But it was an abrupt. You know, he left abruptly. You know, and so you know, there's a lot of grief that comes with change. And so you don't think about something as, you know, as simple as, you know, this was, you know, a character that young people were really relating to, like Mr. Rogers. Right. um, And he leaves and how that affects them. Okay. So for their 25th anniversary, Steve comes back to give us a special message today. And it was wonderful. He talked about how he left abruptly, how that was hard. Um, and, you know, but it allowed him an opportunity to go and do all the things he wanted to do and how wonderful, you know, look at what we've accomplished and what we've done. And yeah, if if you guys haven't seen Steve's video, um, for the Blues Clues 25th anniversary, please go watch it. I will put a link down in the below so you can just kind of link off and go see that. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It is such a nod to our humanity. And so, um, yeah, I would leave it with that, you know, um, and, and that's, that's it. All right. Hey, let me do this as I sign off. I'm going to pray for you guys that are listening because I do that most every time. My prayer for you this week is that the Lord would bless you. He would keep you. He would be gracious and shine his face of favor upon you. My prayer is that all of those hidden hurts that you're carrying and dealing with, that you would take the advice that Fancy gave, you would be compassionate to yourself, that you would find help, and that the prayer would be that the help would actually find you and come to you in the form of friendships and in the form of other connections, even professional connections that you might need, and that third of all, you would lock into that thing of time and realize the blessing of time that you would walk it out and just see yourself making progress, not perfection, just walking in a healing direction. You don't have to cover all the distance at once, but that you would experience grace as you walk through that. Grace and peace. I'll see you again soon.